Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's a major partnership between Bowling Green State University, the University of Findlay, and Owens Community College. Economic Development Director Tim Miley explains what the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics means for our region. Also this morning, the city of Findlay is looking for a few good people to serve on a variety of boards and commissions. Mayor Christina Mern explains how you can put your talents to use. And it's that time of year again. As the holiday season approaches, Wreaths Across America is asking for the community's help to honor the fallen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, November 15, 2021. It is America Recycles Day today. Also, American Enterprise Day. It is I Love to Write Day. It is the day of the imprisoned writer. To remember that uh, writers, especially of provocative material, uh, sometimes do so at great personal risk. A day of the imprisoned writer. It's hard to, really hard to imagine that in this country, but in some Countries of the world, if you write the wrong things, I'll throw you in jail. And it's one of those things that we can thank our lucky stars we live in the nation in which we live. It is Little Red Wagon Day and National Bunt Day. So have a bunt kick today in honor of your favorite imprisoned writer. Into the way that works, I guess. So this may be the biggest news of the day, the best news if you are a coffee drinker. Uh, researchers have found that coffee can improve your mood. <laughs> no big surprise there. But uh, especially as the daylight hours decrease, and that's the news. As the days get shorter, as they are now, your coffee can improve your mood. A pan-European study found, uh, funded by the Institute for Scientific Information on Coffee. <laughs> I did not know that there was an Institute for Scientific Information on Coffee, but apparently there is. And in a study that they funded, they found that more than a quarter of adults experience depression and increased feelings of sadness the closer we get to winter. And we've talked about the seasonal affective disorder in the past, obviously. 21% uh, is more than a quarter of adults have depression and increased feelings of sadness. 21% say they become more anxious as the days grow darker. 24% say they find it harder to concentrate. And 25% say the shorter days make them lose their motivation to exercise. But 20% of respondents say they drank coffee to improve their mood. 29% saying they drink more coffee as the days get shorter to feel more energized and 21% say drinking coffee helped with concentration. An analysis of existing data outside of this study also found that 75 milligrams of caffeine every four hours can result in a pattern of sustained improvement of mood over the day. And that just the scent of coffee may enhance working memory and stimulate alertness. So now keep in mind... You have too much, it can cause sleep issues, and in high quantities, it can cause severe disturbances to the heart and the nervous system, but a little bit of coffee goes a long way, especially this time of year. So, thought I'd throw that out there as the very first thing you need to know, especially on a Monday, as we get another week started. So, over the weekend... This is a true story. I had a really busy weekend. I was out of town most of the weekend uh, with some friends. My wife uh, back at home over the weekend. I come home yesterday after being gone all weekend, and she committed a complete Christmas in the in the house. We got the snow yesterday, so that must have put her in the mood. And uh, it was the the house was all decked out uh, already. If you love the holidays so much that you have already started putting up your Christmas decorations. As my wife has. I. What's amazing, though, I came home. The whole house is decked out. I mean, it is a, a full-on Christmas onslaught. And then I walk into the front room of the house. So I come in the, the, the back room off the garage when I get home. 
and uh, everything's Christmas everywhere. And then I walk into the front room and there's still boxes of Christmas stuff that have yet to be unpacked. So, I mean, it's going to be even it's like going to be like the North Pole at my place. Anyway, if you love the holidays so much, you've already started putting up your Christmas decorations, even though Thanksgiving still a week and a half away. It could actually reflect positive things about your personality. And this is why I bring this up, because my wife uh, com- uh, committed a Christmas this weekend, and <laughs> and apparently that is a good thing. A new study in the Journal of Environmental Psychology found that people who put up their Christmas decorations early tend to be happier and friendlier. Psychologists say decorations spark nostalgia and good feelings about simpler, happier times and also help boost dopamine. Psychologist Deborah Sorani uh, tells the Today Show, quote, it does create that neurological shift that can produce happiness. She goes on to say that I think anything that takes us out of the normal day in, day out signals our senses and then our senses measure if it is pleasing or not, unquote. So the long and short of it is don't feel bad if you have already started your Christmas decorating. Although if you're one of those people that has already started your Christmas decoration decorating, you don't need me to tell you not to feel bad. You don't feel bad about it anyway. My my wife is completely unapologetic about this. But I guess the message is to those who would belittle or berate those who have already started their Christmas decorating, don't, because they're probably uh, actually happier and friendlier than you are. So so there. So there, got that. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You remember last week, it was last week or the week before, it was a series of stories about bomb threats that had been, uh, I guess, phoned in or messaged to universities all across the country. This was a, this was a really scary thing. Or uh, colleges and universities all across the country, they were getting bomb threats. Uh, it started at uh, NYU, New York University, where several buildings had to be evacuated last Thursday because of the threats. And, um, well, I guess they also had them at uh, Cornell, Yale, Columbia, Brown. Um, and there were... Colleges and universities all over the country. Uh, Ohio University had uh, got bomb threats within the last week or so. Miami of Ohio and Oxford. Cleveland State um, all received threats as well. So this was not limited to just the East Coast. At first, they thought it was just the East Coast. And then other random places started reporting they got bomb threats as well, including those in Ohio. Well, uh, within the past week... Um, law enforcement officials now say that a 14-year-old gamer in Virginia was behind many of those bomb threats. A 14-year-old gamer in Virginia. And you knew it was somebody somewhere, because they were so random, they were all over the country, you knew it was someone somewhere that was you know, doing this, messing with people. But it turns out it was a 14-year-old. Uh, Also, in a separate but somewhat related case, a group of teens in a chat room online were accused in Los Angeles of calling in as many as 30 bomb threats and swatting incidents coast to coast. Swatting is where they will report um, some sort of armed... uh, suspect or something at a certain location and police departments would send out the SWAT team on a false alarm. It's called swatting is the term they use for it. Now these, uh, this group of teens was charged in Los Angeles, but they are not only in Los Angeles. Um, The suspects in this chat room on the internet range in age from 13 to 16 years old. And they live all across the country and all around the world. In one case, there was, Uh, One, I think, from Singapore or something. There was one of the teens um, 
involved in this case lived in Medina County, Ohio. So they're from all over. But apparently they have cracked the case of those bomb threats. Universities uh, across the country and it's a bunch of teenagers with nothing better to do. Man, I'm glad they got it sorted out. Hopefully they throw the book at those kids. I mean, I understand you're a teenager, you make dumb mistakes, but there are some things that you're going to have to set an example, I think. They're going to have to teach them a lesson. So make sure that nobody else gets that same idea uh, down in the future, because that's scary. And how about this? Among the first things that you need to know this morning. A provision in the president's Build Back Better legislation, that uh, reconciliation bill, uh, deals with a number of social programs and climate legislation legislation is still being hammered out in Congress. But one of the provisions, if it survives uh, through the whole process, would help boost local news, local news, which has been in significant decline. Uh, about one fourth of the nation's newspapers have closed. Half of local journalism jobs have disappeared over the past 15 years, and that is leading to concerns about many communities not having access to important information. Now, our area uh, has been fortunate to be relatively spared from that, but even in our community, uh, across northwest Ohio and some of the smaller newspapers, even uh, in Toledo, uh, at... uh, Broadcast uh, news outlets and the Toledo Blade, uh, they, I know there's been a dramatic reduction in staffing. And the c- concern is that uh, people are getting less access to local, important local information. And again, we're not talking about the demise of national journalism. We talk about the quote-unquote mainstream media and, uh, and so on. This is, this is separate from that. We're talking about local, uh, important local news. And so this provision would give a payroll tax credit to newspapers, digital news outlets, and radio and TV stations that employ eligible local journalists. They'd be able to claim a tax credit of $25,000 the first year and $15,000 for the next four years for up to 1,500 journalists. Uh, This is one provision that does have some bipartisan support, although others have criticized it. Uh, the Associated Press notes that some journalists also admit it can be it can seem a bit questionable to get financial help from a government that they cover. Um, and does this put this down a risky path? It's the first time the government would help news outlets, but a lot of journalists say uh, it's worth the risk. That whole slippery slope ar- argument because of. Uh, how challenged the uh, industry is right now. Anyway, it's just kind of interesting. It'll be wonder if that'll uh, survive uh, the whole process, but something worth watching. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, to get your Monday morning started here. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly cloudy today with a high of 39, mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 31. In an historic collaboration, Owens Community College, the University of Findlay, and Bowling Green State University are coming together to plan a Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. Tim Miley, director of Findlay-Hancock County Economic Development, says the new center will meet the need for a highly trained workforce. I've already had some of the companies today saying they want to come in and talk to the Center for Advanced Manufacturing about their processes, talk to their students. So this already today has spurred ideas from the business community of, wow, this is a tool that's going to be different than traditional education. He calls the new center a game changer for Findlay and the region. Get more of our conversation with Miley and learn more about the new Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics on our website. Hancock Public Health has two pediatric COVID vaccine clinics for kids 5 to 11 years old scheduled for this week. The first clinic will be on Wednesday, and the second clinic will be held on Friday. Both clinics will be held at the Hancock Public Health offices located at 2225 Keith Parkway in Findlay. Appointments are required. Get more on our website. 
Law enforcement agencies across Ohio say drivers are pushing speed limits on the highways more than ever before. So far this year, there have been 1,153 fatal accidents statewide, with about a third of those speed-related, as compared to about 1,068 last year. ONN's Lacey Crisp reporting the Highway Patrol is urging everybody to slow down on the roads and to pay better attention in work zones. The playoff run for the Finley Trojans football team came to an end on Friday night in Bell Fountain. The Trojans lost to Springfield by a score of 13-0. The Trojans finished the season with a record of 9-4. In other playoff action, the Ottawa Glandorf Titans defeated Otsego. The Titans will now play Elyria Catholic Saturday night in the regional finals in Clyde. Macomb lost to Hopewell Loudon. And Carey advanced to the regional finals and will play Liberty Center Saturday in Bowling Green. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Our cover story this morning, it was announced uh, late last week, a major partnership uh, between Bowling Green State University, the University of Findlay, and Owens Community College for something called the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. Economic Development Director Tim Miley uh, were among the dignitaries who were there at the uh, signing uh, of this, the unveiling, the announcement of this, and uh, joins us in the studio this morning. First of all, what is the Center for? This is a uh, this is quite the the name. The Center for <laughs> Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics. What is that? Sure. Morning, Chris. It's it, it's a program we've been working on for about probably eighteen months now. And with all the changes that are going on in, in manufacturing, with automation and talent development and systems integration, we we really wanted to put together education partnerships that could support advanced manufacturing and logistics. So I really got to give the credit to BGSU, University of Finley and Owens, and we just supported them with the business community through it. But it's it's their goal to support those businesses. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, uh, how did this come about? I mean, who called who? Who picked up the phone and called who and said, we've got this idea. What do you think? The, the first phone call I got about 18 months ago was from uh, President Rogers at BGSU. Mm-hmm. And this was when Owens was going through their transition so Dr. Robinson had gone back home up to Michigan, mm-hmm. and Owens was looking for a, a president. And part of the time they were working through, they said, what if we could do this and utilize the Owens campus in Finley and make a regional program and some early brainstorming? And I said, well, I'd like to introduce some business into this. So did a little bit of a road show, went down to Honda, brought in Marathon and Whirlpool and several other companies trying to reflect autom- automotive and plastics and appliances mm-hmm. and it, it kind of just snowballed from there because as you mentioned the dignitaries that were there you we had two cabinet members we had legislators with mm-hmm. mayor commissioner yeah. presidents it really took a lot of people to pull this together because this is a a big deal i mean you don't see these types of collaborations uh between institutes of higher learning like this uh i mean you've got and they're very different. Obviously, you've got a public four-year university, you've got a private four-year university, you've got a community college. Um, so this is a big deal. It, it's a big deal. And for me, it's even a bigger deal that they chose to put it in Finley because this is not just meant to service Hancock County. This is for the whole I-75 corridor. Right. Well, I know one of the things that, that you talked about is this is uh, another example of the Finley formula at right. work. But this is something that will benefit more than just Finley. There, there's no doubt. If you t- you go up from Lima to Finley to, to BG up to Perrysburg and Toledo, all these companies are going to be able to benefit from the resources because some people are asking me, well, what's going to be different? Are you just repackaging three universities and going to use their same programs and mm-hmm. it's the old one plus one equals three type thing. No, they're going to leverage their their programs and they will they will have some synergies and and we will provide additional resources through this. So they're actually creating uh, some new programs uh, through this. There's going to uh, be from the educational. Well, side. the only thing there, there's going to be new programs, but there's also going to be how they deliver programs could be different. So tra- traditionally, for Owens, for example, you may have uh, Nishin Break, which is now Hitachi Ostomo, they may call Owens and say, we need uh, training for X, Y, Z. My hope is we actually have multiple employers coming together that are trying to solve the same problem that could be related to automation or uh, systems integration of, of new technology. 
So if we solve it once on a larger scale rather than doing the same thing over and over again for 10 different companies. And there are also, I understand, going to be more opportunities for work-study work programs, internships, and, and that kind of thing. Well, I had at the meeting on Friday, uh, director of Valfilm, and he works on their global side as well, came up to me and he said, how do I talk to their students about sustainability of what we're doing so they can start learning how we're trying to have this closed loop for plastics and he's ultimately wants to educate them on that, but it's going to provide better workers for him on what they're trying to do. So we already had companies at the meeting that their their wheels kind of started turning, thinking, what resources could this bring for my company, and how do how do we get involved? It's interesting you you bring that up because one of the questions I wanted to ask is basically how will this work? And it sounds like some of that is still yet to be determined because there are all kinds of different possibilities. Yeah, it's a question I've gotten a lot over the last week since we've been talking about this is mm-hmm. who do I call? What do I do? And I was talking to President Rogers on Friday after the event. They're, they're going to be looking for someone to hire here. And so it's day one of where we're at. We wanted to announce it. It did receive the $2 million in the budget, so we wanted to get that out there. And we're trying to go after some additional money to work for the program. So right now it's it's early. And we have still a lot of vision for this of where it could go, but really the sky's the limit. You talk a little bit about what it brings to the region for existing companies, existing employers. Talk about from the economic development side what it means for our area. So you think about our main model we talk about a lot is retention is our number one priority and then attraction is is number two. On the retention standpoint, anybody that's looking to to invest in, in capital this is going to be an opportunity to assist them. Maybe instead of after the fact coming into training, maybe the Center for Advanced Manufacturing can actually help them design and suggest what type of automation they should be putting in. But on the attraction side, it's going to be powerful. We have a company we're working with out of Europe right now, and they're going to make a decision in three to four weeks of, of where they're going to go. It is advanced manufacturing, and when we did our pitch a couple weeks ago, this project's been on the fast track. And there'll also be the North American headquarters if they if they select Finley or wherever they select. I mentioned this to them. And as soon as I mentioned it to them, they started asking a lot of questions of how, how can this benefit? Because this is not common, as you mentioned. This is mm-hmm. a big deal and it's different. And they were really intrigued by the possibility of having a two-year and a four-year public and private assisting them through their site selection all the way through their growth. So we've already I've already been out there pitching it to companies. And in Europe, education sometimes plays a, a larger role. So this is somewhat you know, in their DNA, and mm-hmm. they, they really like what we're putting together. Yeah, and, and that brings up the, the point. I mean, certainly uh, you can pitch this now and you can talk about the uh, possibilities moving forward, but this isn't, I mean, you've got to, it's got to be built yet and it's, it's got to be fleshed out and what uh, all of this. So, but it's already something that uh, is intriguing for its possibilities. Right, yeah, and, and there are programs in place that if you read the MOU, they will start working together immediately. So some of it we can start working together now. And then as we go on, the staffing side of working through. So they do have some resources that they can start utilizing with the $2 million. And we'll be trying to get, get some more money and, and work through that. But yeah, it's a start slowly here and then and work our way through it. We've talked uh, about kind of the the brain drain uh, in Ohio, in this region, everywhere in in Ohio is uh, not immune from that. This you see as something that can avoid that and and keeping skilled workforce in the Buckeye State? It's going to do that, but it's also going to build the skilled workforce. As we continue to see companies eliminate unskilled jobs through automation, it's going to provide the resources for on-the-job training and incumbent worker training that we could ramp up and have them out at the Owens campus working on equipment because companies are willing to invest in people for the training. We just needed to make sure that we had the space and the resources to provide that training. And we're continuing to to see that we're going to probably in 2021 have a record year in machinery investment and investment here in Finley. And so that wave is coming. COVID has accelerated e-commerce, automation and plants, uh, all these disruption things that people could afford. Com- some companies used to be able to afford turnover mm-hmm. because there was always another body to put in on an on-skilled job because right, right. they wouldn't have to train them. Mm-hmm. When there's not any bodies, 
they have to automate. And uh, yeah, with the growing technical technical skill that's required to operate that automation, the, then the it's, other thing it's is, not as it's not as easy as just plugging in a body on an assembly line. The other thing this does it puts a highlight and a bright spotlight on manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And all of our manufacturing companies have other plants in the U.S. and they have global sister plants. And every year they got to make a decision on capital investment. And we are now demonstrating that we want to support manufacturing. That's why you and I have talked about this in the past. That's why I travel Mm -hmm. around to these plants globally so they know what we're doing. We want to make sure that they're comfortable investing tens of millions and hundreds of million dollars in their plants. We are now showing them and demonstrating in Northwestern Ohio and Finley we take manufacturing serious and we want to support it. It's interesting you bring that up because, uh, again, there has been talk and and – if people pay attention to economic and business news, uh, they know that, as we were saying, there's been uh, this uh, dramatic shift in the workforce and you know moving forward, you know, what it will look like and, and all of that. But also, the economy itself has uh, much has been made about moving away from manufacturing into highly technical uh, jobs. This is kind of a merging of both, really. It is. It is absolutely merging of both. That's where they talk about the systems integration of working mm-hmm. through with, it's it's no longer just assembly. It's creating very complex parts. And especially when you take a look at what's going to happen with the new materials for autonomous vehicles, where that's going. And you know, we're not going to have cars driving themselves anytime soon, but there's a lot of things that go in the cars right now that provide safety features mm-hmm. for level one and level two autonomous, new materials that are coming in, electrification of the vehicle, all these things, these disruptions are happening and they're trying to solve these these uh, production operations through technology rather than just traditional and is that kind of an untapped potential because there's so much focus on um on white collar uh, jobs and and not so much now in many areas with manufacturing and logistics and and if you you listen to anybody talk about northwestern ohio and midwest what they talk about is our work ethic and that's what you need for manufacturing. In fact, you used to hear uh, Gary Heminger, the president of Marathon, talk about why was Marathon here? Because it was work ethic. Mm-hmm. People do work very hard here. And so manufacturing is always going to be core to what we see. It's just that manufacturing used to equate to a lot of jobs. Well, as you invest, there's not going to be quite as many jobs, but they're better jobs. So that's where uh, you, you hear Jobs Ohio talk about a lot about jobs. And our office, we we want jobs, but we talk just as much about investment quality and quality jobs, Correct. and and uh, so that is a, an important point as well. This will be a, a big part of landing those quality jobs. The uh, Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics, this uh, major partnership between BGSU, UF, uh, Owens Community College. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays itself out moving forward. Uh, again, Tim Miley is with us uh, this morning. Tim, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Mayor Christina Mern is with us uh, this morning. Uh, the city of Findlay looking for a few good people to serve on a variety of boards and commissions. And um, this is, I have to admit, when I saw the uh, press release you put out mm-hmm. a, a thing last week, uh, about the, I never really gave a whole lot of thought uh, to this. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you, you don't think about these things. Right. And maybe that's why uh, there's this need of uh, people to uh, sit in on a number of uh, uh, boards and commissions uh, that do a number uh, of different things, uh, do a, a lot of different work uh, for the community. I want to Uh, get into more details on that here in just a bit but to kind of follow up what we were talking about with uh, tim miley earlier the announcement last week the center for advanced manufacturing and logistics what were your thoughts uh, on that when you heard about the uh, launch of this uh, program and what it might mean for the region yeah i'm very excited about this partnership between the university of finley bowling green state university and owens community college and the opportunity that it really provides for our community to continue to build on that collaborative structure Mm -hmm. between education and business. And one of the things that we continually hear from businesses is obviously, one, we we need a workforce, but more and more, we need that skilled workforce. And how do we get those folks ready? How do we identify them? How do we get them into the pipeline? 
kind of all of those different aspects of making sure that our businesses that are here are able to continue to grow and meet the demands um, both now and into the future and bringing in education partners into that conversation and working with them to be able to provide that those services and do it in a unique manner by recognizing, you know, getting folks into Owens and, and getting or, and through these different paths, paths or credentials, um, I think it's really going to position us well to continue to to grow our region and to meet our community's needs. We talked with Tim about the uh, benefits from an economic development uh, standpoint and uh, benefits for uh, business that is already here. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the the impact to the city in terms of growing uh, the city of Finley into the kind of place that we want it to be with the <laughs> types of uh, the the types of workforce and, and such that we have here i i think it's more so how do we continue to support the citizens that are here yes definitely the business aspect but if you look at kind of the trends of manufacturing logistics and and really every other jobs they're really continuing to move into that skilled labor workforce mm-hmm. so you know, when there is a a job that can be done by a robot because it is lifting a heavy box and moving it three feet and setting it down and packaging right. it, mm-hmm. it you know, there's that's one very difficult for that employee. That's hard on your body, mm-hmm. but that's also just repetitive. So that's something that can be automated. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's really happening is that automation within manufacturing used to be a dirty word for the workforce. But really, when you look at it, it's better positioning those employees to get higher wages, have better skills, be more adaptable, and those companies to be able to grow because they can do more with less and not necessarily you know, get rid of workforce, but really grow yeah. it. So that's exciting. Um, I, I will mention having, hearing you say all of that, I will mention, because we were talking before we went on the air, uh, that you did not hear uh, Tim's interview earlier. I didn't. I, uh, I know I felt so, bad. So did so, we say well, the same thing? I was going to say, it was almost <laughs> word for word. So I, I will say that uh, she did not plagiarize what uh, what Tim said because uh, she wasn't uh, listening uh, to that. But it's interesting that you bring up some of the exact same points. Uh, that Tim did uh, earlier. Boards and commissions. This yeah. is a uh, something that uh, every community needs, and you have a number of openings. Uh, what happens if these positions aren't filled so, on some of these <laughs> boards and commissions? Yeah, so typically I have kind of a pool of people that mm-hmm. are willing and able and have done it in the past. And can't and, say no. And <laughs> they don't say no. <laughs> I won't say they can't. I'll say they won't. Won't say no. Um, but I really felt like it's important to give opportunities for more people who to express interest in getting involved because mm-hmm. I think it's important to, one, have folks understand how some of these boards and commissions work and how they interact with, you know, local government, but also just getting new perspectives and opinions on some of these items. So they're not super exciting and it would have been much easier for me to just be like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, can you people just keep, you know, right. serving? Yeah. Um, but I reached out and, you know, there will be a couple that are, you know, this is obviously not all of them, um, but these were a couple that were up that I felt like were good opportunities to get other people involved. And so I wanted to open it up and, See who showed interest. There is something to be said for that because uh, one of the criticisms, and not just here, I mean, you see this in communities uh, all over the country, uh, that it's it always seems to be the same people who are uh, influencing public policy and and uh, involved in uh, city government and, and city works and yeah. so on. Uh, you you bring up a really good point about uh, new perspectives and fresh faces and and so on. Yeah, there are a number of these. Uh, do they require skill sets, uh, specific skill sets or? Yeah. So a couple of them do. Obviously the Blanchard Valley Port Authority is a pretty complex economic development tool that, you know, is, is by statutory, um, you know, structure. It's, it's Mm -hmm. codified in the state to be able to have this organization. So there needs to be some, um, understanding of, of finance, legality, a couple of other things kind of in that realm. In general terms. You don't yes. have to be a lawyer or an accountant, but no, you should no. have typically, a good... Typically the folks are, but I think, again, we're open to seeing um, who who else may be interested. I think being able to, you know, get up to speed quickly and just be able to, mm-hmm. to learn and, you know, obviously think think critically. That's what I want yeah. on, on every single board. And right. that's what I tell folks all the time. Listen, 
I, I don't care if you disagree me disagree with me as long as you're reasonable and willing to listen to, to my points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can, you know, disagree. That's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, and then we have others, you know, Parks and Recreation Board is a kind of guiding board helping us make decisions. There'll be some cool things coming up with that, obviously coming, especially coming out of the strategic plan. I would expect we'll have some projects coming out of that. Um, the revolving loan fund board that is, you know, kind of finance based mm-hmm. is looking at um, gap financing for local businesses. Um, the government, you know, city government has that fund available. Regional planning, um, not necessarily specific skill sets that are required for that, but someone who is passionate about helping kind of the community develop, understanding kind of plan review. Mm-hmm. Um, this is different than city planning commission. This is a board that looks at the entire county um however we do have city representatives on it um and then let's see i think there's one other one revolving loan fund regional planning <laughs> parks and recreation port authority underscores the there's that one other one yeah and these are not even all of them um, yeah. right these are just the ones that i had oh design review board mm-hmm. so the downtown design yeah. review is helping make sure that you know businesses and renovations that are done are consistent yeah. with the aesthetic of our downtown and how would someone go about applying for one of these positions if they're uh, one of these may pique someone's interest yeah. how do they go about <laughs> Uh, Making it really more. easy. All you need to do is email com with kind of a bio or resume about yourself, um, why you're interested and which board you're interested in. So I'm going to be collecting those through Wednesday. Um, and then we'll be reaching out to the folks that are interested probably to have conversations and then make my selections in the what, coming weeks. What kind of a commitment are, are you looking for? I mean, is this, uh, I would assume, a year-long uh, commitment at least. There are multi-year commitments. Okay. Um, it kind of varies by board, yeah. two to three years typically. Okay. Um, and these these don't these are not a super time consuming. Yeah, some of some of them <laughs> I noticed. I was looking uh, over the list. Some of them meet more frequently than others, right. and so. yeah, regional planning meets monthly mm-hmm. um, on I think the second or third Wednesday of the month, and then um, Parks and Recreation meets as needed. Uh, we try to meet monthly. Recently, we haven't been just because we've kind of been on a hold with a couple of different things. Revolving loan fund meets as needed as people apply. Mm-hmm. Um, the Port Authority meets at least annually, but they tip, it kind of depends on projects. So they typically yeah. meet probably two or three times a year. Yeah. Um, so design again, review is kind of as needed, but typically they're meeting about monthly. Yeah. So uh, depending on the time that you have available, that can uh, factor in and that yes, you can definitely. work around uh, that as well. By the way, um, speaking of, uh, of boards and commissions, recently decommissioned the uh, what was it the uh, parking uh, commission yeah the parking authority so there is legislation in front of council um, for its second reading the por- parking authority did recommend that it be disbanded mm-hmm. um, and I think that one thing I want to clarify I, ask, I appreciate you asking about this is I had a couple of calls last week from folks thinking that we were getting rid of parking rules um, and I want to be very clear this is not changing any of the rules and regulations around parking what what we were seeing is that the parking authority was a board that was created years ago um, and and really isn't serving the benefit that it was intended to primarily be because the role of it is really being looked at by other organizations so yeah. we have traffic commission we have the street sidewalk and parking committee of council we have the downtown finley improvement district we have regional planning we have these different mm-hmm. organizations that are, are having similar conversations without it being a hard fast organization we know we don't need a committee for the sake of having a committee um and that's kind of been my approach this is being addressed <laughs> don't me. choke i know I, <laughs> i'm I, sorry <laughs> i just swallowed wrong uh i just swallowed wrong there um but I, this is something i was going to say that you know, you're constantly looking at uh, not just you but again Correct. cities all it over the country up by city council. you're looking at uh, you know are these things all necessary so always looking and by the way uh with respect to uh, other recent things and this is along the same lines of parking the martin luther king uh, jr parkway just uh, reopened yes praise the lord (laughs) yeah got it open and that's a big deal uh the work that was done because uh, again in a future flood city's not going to be cut in half correct yes you know the work there um 
obviously not exactly glamorous, but raising yeah. those intersections so that we are able to keep water off of them in flood events and be able to especially get safety personnel through that corridor yeah. is really important. That's that's the, the big key there. And I know that uh, I think we've asked you this before, and I'm, I'll ask you it again because with the reopening, <laughs> the question came up again. Uh, if you're raising that and, and keeping that from flooding, that water that was covering that area has to go someplace. Are you inducing flooding additional flooding to neighboring properties we are not so it's it's kind of strange um how it works but really no um what was happening there is it was the low point so water was gathering but when you have a flood event like that the the minimal surface elevation change if any will Mm -hmm. occur because water's moving through there so it just is not going to cover that area but it is not going to be displacing that water onto surrounding property and at the end of the day makes the city safer correct so that's yeah. the uh, the big plus there again uh, finley mayor christina Mern with us uh, this morning uh again the main uh topic we wanted to uh, <laughs> to bring up the uh boards and commissions again you're looking for folks who may be interested through middle of this week correct yeah. yep so, so as soon as you can shoot me an email mayor at finleyohio.com um, with in your interest on which board and a little bit of background about yourself and would appreciate the conversation opportunity. We, we will link there. it all up at our webpage as well. You can go to goodmornings.net and uh, learn more. Again, Mayor Christina Mern with us this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate well, thanks, it. Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So here is the full story. We hit some of the highlights right before the news, but this is the full story. At the Downtown Gallery Luxury Apartments in St. Louis, tenants face some serious consequences if they fail to clean up after their pets. As a requirement upon moving in, uh, if you rent an apartment as as a requirement, if you move in and you have a pet, you are required to submit a DNA sample from your dog. You do a little cheek swab and you turn it over to the management company who then forwards it to a Tennessee-based lab that specializes in dog DNA. And then, if they ever find dog droppings, by the way, the the DNA is registered in the Poo Prints database. (laughs) I didn't even know they had this, but a Poo Prints database. And if they ever discover dog droppings left behind anywhere on the uh, property, the uh, apartment complex, the staff then collects a sample and sends it to the lab to find a match and identify the offending dog. (laughs) If dog owners violate the policy first time they face a fine, repeat offenders will either A, lose their pet privileges, they'll have to get rid of their dog, or they'll get kicked out. They'll have to find someplace else to live. They're getting serious (laughs) on this. And my immediate thought in this story when i saw this on the newswire i wish i had thought of opening a dog dna business because i can see there's some big bucks in this i think anyway elsewhere in today's broken news uh one mom uh i don't know where this, uh saddlebrook saddlebrook where it doesn't i all it says is the Saddlebrook Police Department. This is a report. So I don't know where Saddlebrook is. I'm assuming there's more than one in different uh, places across the country. Anyway, mom got a shock of a lifetime. So she's um, she's in her car. Uh, actually, it's a rented car, uh, rented Hyundai Elantra. And uh, she's in the car with her son. And her son insists that she let him drive. And if you're a parent with a uh, a son, you know, a child uh, learning how to drive, okay. You we've all had it happen. So anyway, son insists that uh, mom let him drive. <laughs> he wound up carjacking the car. <laughs> uh according to the uh, report, the woman was in the driver's seat of the rented vehicle when her son requested to get behind the wheel. 
She then noticed he had a knife. And uh, she immediately exited the vehicle and called 911 as the son drove away. <laughs> he carjacked his own mom. Uh, Police Department Captain John Zatolo Jr. said uh, the situation was highly unusual. Uh, the car was recovered in a fairly short amount of time. The uh, young man charged with carjacking and the matter will be handled behind closed doors, they say. So, I don't know, behind closed I Can you imagine getting carjacked by your own son? Well, he's learning how to drive, he's learning how to carjack. It's maybe a match set for this kid. <laughs> Crazy. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news... We need to mention this. A 105-year-old woman is now the record holder for the fastest time in the 100-meter dash in the 105 and up age bracket. Which I got to think there's there can't be that they can't be that much competition <laughs> in the 105 and older age bracket. Julia Hawkins. They call her Hurricane was clocked in at 1 minute and 2 seconds. In the 100-meter dash to uh, break the existing record. Hurricane said it was nice to see so many family members and friends. Uh, She was a little bit disappointed in her time. She wanted to finish the race in less than a minute. But she did break the record at this year's Louisiana Senior Games, which is the state qualifying competition for the biennial, biennial National Senior Games. She said she only started running when she was 100 years old. So, you've come a long way, baby. (laughs) 105 and up age bracket. Baltimore police say an off-duty officer was getting a haircut when he shot a man suspected of three... Uh, shootings himself. Police say the gunman walked into a Baltimore barber shop on Saturday afternoon and shot one of the barbers before being shot and killed by an off-duty sergeant who was there getting a haircut. <laughs> you talk about bad luck. That's. <laughs> Authorities believe the gunman is the same man who shot two other people in separate shootings earlier in the day. The off-duty officer was not wearing a uniform at the time of his shooting because he was off-duty. <laughs> you talk about unlucky. Uh, That's the wrong place to go on a shooting spree, I guess. And finally, the uh, broken news this morning. In New York City, here's another case of somebody uh, climbing the fence, climbing a barrier uh, at a uh, uh, into a wild animal enclosure at the Bronx Zoo lion exhibit. A woman was seen on Friday climbing over the barrier video that a witness captured shows her holding roses and flinging money toward the lion. Witnesses say she addressed the animal from about 15 feet away, uh, saying, I love you. I love you. I came back from you for you. This woman's got problems. Spokesperson for the zoo said that onlookers alerted staff about the woman, but she was gone by the time they got there. No, she was not eaten. She was just gone. The zoo said she was on the other side of a protective moat separating the enclosure from the viewing public, and she was not really in any danger, although (laughs) they wouldn't encourage others to do something similar. They say the Bronx Zoo has a zero-tolerance policy in matters such as this and will aggressively seek prosecution against this individual and anyone else who violates park safety rules. It's weird. What is what is she doing? I don't uh, I don't understand. There you go. That is weird people sometimes. This is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN would like to congratulate the Finley Trojan football team for an impressive 2021 season. Under first-year head coach Stephen Adams, the Trojan finished the regular season with a five-game winning streak before heading into the playoffs. Good job by all the players, coaches, and everyone associated with the football program. We offer our tip of the cap to the Trojans and appreciate you listening all season long to Trojan football on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. 
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. You remember uh, last week we were talking about the number of Americans who said that they were going to spend Thanksgiving separate from their family, even though this year they didn't have to? <laughs> kind of thinking, hey, this isn't such a bad deal, not being uh, around family. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Well, apparently that is carrying through to the holiday season. A new survey shows that instead of thinking of the holidays as a time when we shower those we love with gifts, nearly 75% of Americans say they are putting themselves first. (laughs) We're shopping for ourselves before anybody else. Nearly three in four intend to buy themselves a present this gift-giving season. Nine in ten admit that they will buy themselves gifts even if others are gener- are particularly generous. So this has nothing to do with not you know worried about not getting something from someone else. We're just splurging ourselves. Splurging on ourselves. 64% of the 2000 people who responded to this survey said that they would rather buy stuff for themselves because they know what they really want. 59% know that they will give themselves better quality gifts than others would give them. <laughs> Basically, those 59% are saying that uh, the people who buy me gifts, my loved ones, are cheap. That's what they're saying. (laughs) That's basically what they're saying. Uh, 51% admit that they are picky when it comes to getting presents, which obviously those other results uh, demonstrate. 26% of the respondents in this poll say that they are not above telling people what to get them. Uh, 31% though say that they would rather be surprised by somebody who's buying a gift for them. So that's always the big debate. Do you uh, ask for something directly or do you just hope that people will get you what you really want? Uh, What is also interesting about the survey is that a quarter of those who responded, 25%, say admit that they belong on the naughty list this year. Maybe that's why they're buying their own gifts. (laughs) 81% uh, admit that they buy themselves presents throughout the year. So it's not just during the holidays. And I have to admit, I'm probably uh, in that category myself. Boys, I guess that time of the season. And I feel, I have to say that I feel honored because we have uh, wrangled uh, Sherry Garner Brumbaugh into the studio uh, for the second time in as many weeks here. And this is uh, very unusual. It's tough to nail you down sometimes. Well, I'm in town. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> you're always off somewhere. So right. to actually get you here uh, more than once in uh, a month is, uh, is great. But thank you very much for, uh, for dropping by. We appreciate it. Reads Across America is, uh, I know, an event that you have been very passionate about really since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me back. And uh, Reads Across America is that time of year again, and we're gearing up for it. Actually, we we kind of work on it all year year long, Mm -hmm. but uh, December 18th, uh, 10 a.m., at our Maple Grove Cemetery here in Finley, we'll be uh, laying our wreaths uh, and, and looking to do that. Looking for volunteers. Uh, it's a great morning to come out mm-hmm. and uh, lay a wreath on our veterans that have served unselfishly and givingly. And so we recognize them. And uh, this year, added to the group is St. Mike's Cemetery. Yeah. St. Michael's Cemetery. Uh, this has, uh, has expanded uh, in, in recent years from just at Maple Grove when you right. started uh, to include uh, other uh, resting places as well, including uh, St. Mike's. And uh, Rich Shabord is here from uh, St. Michael's. You're kind of heading that uh, part of it up, right? So uh, I'm with the uh, Knights of Columbus, the fourth degree, and mm-hmm. this is uh, we're sponsoring this year. And if. Uh, came on board and uh this is the first year for saint mike's and uh we'll have a joint ceremony at 10 a.m on the 18th with maple grove so for those who actually it's hard to believe but there are some folks who uh, don't know that saint mike's is kind of like back there by uh behind maple grove right i mean it's yeah, out it, in that yeah it's it's so. it's even tough to even know where the the lines are because there's no fence or anything <laughs> right like right uh so for those who uh, aren't familiar uh that's uh, that's where you are and and you've got a goal of of uh, placing 100 wreaths at, yes. at saint mike's uh cemetery uh along with some 1200 at maple grove right. so and you mentioned sherry that this is uh something that you work on really all year round it's not like right. this just comes together in a week or two 
Right. There, there, there's an expense. We do some fundraising events. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our Ride to Remember that we do in July. But really this time of the year, we, we start thinking about, uh, you know, you know, the cost of laying those rays and, and remembering the, the reason, remembering them. And also, there are two other cemeteries came on last year, mm-hmm. uh, the Arlington Village Cemetery and uh, Benton Ridge last year. So this will be uh, the second year for both of those cemeteries. Arlington, they'll have their wreath ceremony at 12 noon on the 18th and Benton Ridge uh, at 10 a.m. And it's a national day of laying across this country, mm-hmm. uh, probably... Close to 2.5 million wreaths will wow. be laid, wow. and it will take. Uh, the alignment is with the with the, you know, the trucking industry. I was going to say, the, so the that's how we trucking, get the wreaths. Yeah, the the trucking and logistics uh, companies all across the country really uh, are, donate. Yeah, donate key to making right. this happen. Uh, donate the uh, capacity to haul the, and, and that's my alignment. So we'll t- garner trucking. We'll take a load of wreaths to the Arlington National Cemetery in mm. Arlington, Virginia. That's got to be a special. It is. Yeah. It is. It, this will be our eighth year that we do that, and our driver of the year will take that take that load, and then we'll bring a load back here, um, a partial load. My vision, my goal is to bring a whole load of an entire load of wreaths back to Hancock County. We'll bring about a quarter. Uh, between the four cemeteries. Mm-hmm. And, and no, too, uh, our goal is 1,200 for the Maple Grove portion, and St. Mike's is 100. This doesn't even cover all of our veterans in both of these cemeteries. I, Rich, how many do you have at the St. Mike's? We estimate at least uh, 335. Mm-hmm. Now, records are not accurate, so how many veterans are actually buried at our cemetery or, or in Hancock County mm-hmm. is is anybody it's so, close at, yeah. at, and at, at the maple grove site it uh it's close to five thousand. yeah wow um and obviously to make this happen you can't do it all yourself it's not the two of you that are going out no. and <laughs> laying all of these wreaths you mentioned the fundraisers which are happening throughout the year and you can still actually uh donate basically buying a wreath to lay uh at the uh, grave of a soldier oh, right. Correct. If you go out to wreathacrossamerica.org, you'll find all of our cemeteries here in our uh, area. Mm-hmm. They're, they're um, cemetery sites, and we have coordinators. Rich is a coordinator for the St. Mike site. And you can specifically choose what cemetery that you would like to donate. It will come on a Garner truck. Mm-hmm. It will be here delivered on a Garner truck. Yeah. And then you can come out on Saturday morning. Well, that's that the day, other thing. Yeah. Then you need uh, uh, volunteers to actually lay the wreaths on yes. the morning of the 18th, you said? Morning of the 18th. Okay. We'll have a ceremony at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for uh, the, the crowd to, to join in for that ceremony. It'll be brief. It's usually a brisk morning, so dress <laughs> warm. That time of year, yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I'm a believer of many hands make light work. Yeah. And the more people that come out, we'll get those wreaths laid. And, so you know. if folks want to volunteer, how do they go about doing that to uh, actually do the, the wreath laying? What's involved there? They can come through the website. You can uh, look at uh, the, the volunteer times and, and just show up. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no sign up. There's no... Uh, you know, anyone to call and say, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. It's one of those um, call of the heart uh, yeah. and get up on Saturday morning. And I, for me, I know I can celebrate Christmas after I come out on that yeah. Saturday morning. And I think, Rich, you've been yep. out on Saturday mornings, too. So. And for the St. Mike parishioners, there's a ad in the bulletin this past weekend. Okay. So look at that. and uh, Or you can contact any of the, uh, the folk, any of our Knights of Columbus uh, are aware of what's going on. And... Uh, one of the, th- the important things for us, I mean, everybody understands to remember and to honor and show the respect, but it's the, the teaching part is often overlooked. And yeah. uh, so if you're out there listening and you've got a grandson or granddaughter or uh, whatever, this is a good opportunity to bring them out on mm-hmm. the 18th yeah. and to explain to them what, what is the reason we're, being, we're mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. And, uh, it, it transcends all ages. Right? Transcends all ages. Um, but even if you know, just an invite, take thirty second phone call. Uh, it's it, you know, is one of our great presidents said we're only a generation away from losing our freedom. It's mm-hmm. you know these these virtues are not in our our blood or DNA. It's mm-hmm. something that we've got to, yeah. to set an example for the younger folks. And uh, 
get them involved. It's a it's a great uh, teaching moment to be sure. And uh, by the way, you should also mention uh, after then the holidays. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit, right. uh, always need uh, help in in removing the wreaths later. It, it's kind of like Thanksgiving. Everybody c- c- comes around and enjoys the food, but when it's time to do the dishes, yeah, it's exactly. a, you know it's a you know it's a thin crowd in the kitchen. So but. you can uh, circle that on your right. calendar. Third week in January. Okay. Please yeah. come back yeah. out. Same and, nine a.m. And we will uh, talk about that when we get a little bit closer sure. as well. But uh, put that date on your calendar a- as well. So remember that uh, we'll be doing that. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about wreaths across america and it's so uh, great to see so many uh, local cemeteries yes. involved uh, in that so uh paul thanks very much for uh, dropping by we certainly appreciate it and uh or, i'm sorry paul rich uh, <laughs> my apologies um i don't know where my brain is this morning it's a monday so i apologize and uh, sherry thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate Absolutely. it thank you And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, speaking of the holiday season approaching, it's hard to believe Thanksgiving now is about a week and a half away, and the folks at Stonebridge Church are busy making all their preparations and working up the fixins for another community Thanksgiving dinner. We get all the details on that until tomorrow morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.